Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I am a veteran in the project and program management space, having worked in different industries, including healthcare, tech, consumer goods, and now marketing as well. I am so excited to welcome Brendan Baker, who is the author of the bestseller Valuable Change and consultant on over $10 billion projects and key transformation, as well as some programs that range from different industries and organizational sizes. Brendan, welcome back to the podcast. You may have remembered Brendan from a previous episode where we talked about his other book, which was on high value PMOs. Uh, but I think I just want to highlight that I've got both with me right now, um, and we'll dig in a little bit to uh, for our subject today, which is on change leadership. But I may throw in some questions that I'm pulling out as I'm reading through this valuable change book, Brendan, if that's okay with you. Um, but Brendan, for those who have not met you yet, please take a brief moment to introduce yourself. Pleasure. First of all, thank you for having me on again. Uh, it is always, always a pleasure. Um, I'm Brendan Baker. I am obsessed with change leadership and all of its forms and helping uh, leaders make sure their change pays off. Um, I'm so obsessed that I founded the Valuable Change Co. to help do that. I've written a couple of books um, that you've just mentioned, and I live and breathe and essentially spend all my time trying to help people make help their change pay off and make it as smooth, as simple and easy as absolutely possible. Um, because change is hard change is hard and if we're going to make if it is hard and we're going to accept that then it may as well be worthwhile um so that's that's what i'm about and something i love about you brendan is that yes he's not lying when he says he lives and breathes change and he, and his mission too which is change leaders drive real value but on your way to have founding your second mission which is fight unnecessary complexity which hmm. I'll be honest with you, and I don't think I've shared my feelings about either of your books yet since I've read them, is these are incredible for people who are trying to lead change. And I know our topic today is change leadership, but you really have something about the way you break things down, Brendan, that I very, very much appreciate, especially in the position that I'm in today, where we're looking at thoughtful change and how we can make change purposeful and really have value in what what we're changing not just change for change sake right and brendan has this way about just breaking it down into part into bits and pieces that are really palatable by anybody uh and really if you have any type of experience whether it's in project management or program management or completely out of the pm space i think either of these books you'll see there's a lot of value in terms of just understanding what change is and how to implement that across your teams and your organization. And I just can't say nothing but good things about either. Like these two books have really given me such great perspective. And anytime I can get Brendan on a call is amazing. For those that are listening in the uh, Pacific Standard Time, I just want to remind everyone that Brendan is not in our area. Uh, he is um, in the Southern Hemisphere, as I've learned, and in a very different season. So like I said, I think this just having valuable time to speak with him on the podcast is, is really an honor. So Brendan, welcome back. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about change leadership. Uh, let's start with your definition of change leadership. What is it? Yeah, so change leadership is driving holistically. Uh, and driving a change holistically to ensure it pays off. And, and so, I mean, if you look at what value is, value is essentially 
an improvement that's worth investing in. in. In really simple terms, that's what it is. And so it's making sure that we're actually driving a change that creates an improvement that's actually worth investing in. Now, when I say investing, it's not just money. Uh, it can be time. It could be all of the other factors, right? Uh, because um, as I mentioned earlier, like change is hard. So yes, you're investing money. Yes, you're investing time, but you're also investing people's efforts, people's hopes. Um, you're also investing the goodwill with, of your own company. And so when you're looking at all of those elements, there's a lot of cost revolved, in, revolved uh, and included in change. So if we're going to do it, let's do it and let's make sure it's worthwhile. So change leadership is driving holistically, not just in terms of project management, which is all about delivery. And, and we'll talk about that in a tick, but it's kind of taking that step higher uh, and it's not just, you know, talking about just the people. It's not talking about just the benefits, not talking about just these things, but it's connecting it all together and doing so in such a way that it's simple, palatable, uh, but you're really achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you touched on it, and we'll get to this question in terms of how does that differ from project management. But what I will say in my personal experience is that I never saw the kind of over the hill and that view of what Brendan is talking about until I came into my most recent position. Yes, there was some connectivity in leading tactical day-to-day projects in terms of what's the value and the return on investment there. But I never was able to see that until this, really this point in my career after a decade of doing project management and now being in a position where I'm involved in strategic conversations. I'm involved in laying out the path for the organization. That's not just tomorrow or the day after. It's what are we looking at in the next three to five years, even 10 years out? And how are we building towards that? And what then working backwards is the changes that we do, uh, whether it be resources or projects or all of those things that Brendan was highlighting, how does that all kind of come together? So I think it's important for those listening that if you're in a, uh, if you're just starting out in your career as a project manager, you may not necessarily see that yet, or you may not have been exposed to that yet, but which is okay, because that comes with time and maturity and experience in your role. Um, but when we talk about change leadership, and then the next natural question for you, Brendan, is how does it differ from project management? I just want to give people a perspective on where we're, where we're at. Yeah, so I, I, before, I, before I answer you know, how, how it differs, I want to add a little thought there as well, is sure. that like you, I, I started with that same idea that change leadership is that strategic thinking, it's, it's the broader conversations, it's you're in the tent, right, um, you're up dealing with the executive, um, but then I started to realize a few things. Uh, first of all, change is impacting all of us, uh, and, the, and the pace of change is, is you know, massively increasing i mean i heard a statistic the other day that was 70 percent of mid-level managers agree that change leadership is more important now than what it was five years ago um so that that is changing and with that is this idea that change leadership is not just for the executive or not just for people that are in the tent with the executive change leadership is every day uh, and it's every day in terms of it can be embedded throughout. And, you, and, and so it doesn't matter what level you are. And it certainly doesn't matter how long you've been delivering change projects, whatnot. Um, I would encourage you to think like a change leader 
no matter where you are in your career yeah. because it'll be highly, highly beneficial. Um, and on top of that, I mean, let's say you're, you're a one-year project manager or you're a 10-year project manager or you're a 40-year project manager. Either way, I would contend it's more beneficial for your project to pay off and to achieve what it wants to achieve um, rather than, you know, not. Uh, yeah. essentially all right the success is better than failure so sure. so it's with that in mind that okay well there's some key principles across change leadership that I, I think we could all be embedding so coming back to um how does change leadership differ from project management mm-hmm. now uh don't throw pitchforks at me uh, but i'm going to be a little controversial um is that and, and i say this with love because I earned my stripes and scars as a project manager myself. I started okay. as a project manager and, uh, you know, ended up running PMOs and portfolios and programs. And that, that's where I learned the trade as well. So I've been there, done that. I get it. Um, and I mean, I've got, I've got the t-shirt and the certificate, right? Um, so what I've noticed is that the industry has become very divided, very siloed. And when I say the industry, I'm talking about change, business, organizational change even that term organizational change has been hijacked to a degree whenever we talk about organizational change now people always think of oh that's managing your stakeholders and people mm-hmm. all right that's not talking about delivery at all that's not talking about you know what we're, what we're trying to achieve at all and so what i've noticed is that the industry has become very siloed you've got project management and there's a million and one ways to in that and project management's all about delivering against key metrics you know how much is it going to cost and uh you know tracking against time and deadlines and quality metrics and, and whatnot that's your project management million and one ways to do it then there's change management or stakeholder management which is all about how do we bring people on the journey right and there's the prosci and, and whatnot in that space then there's benefits management and then there's you know all these other arms as well but i mean those are the core three but it's become very specialized very deep and very specialized. Mm-hmm. And here's where I'm a little cynical is that I don't think it needs to be. Um, I think being specialized just helps sell certificates and courses and things like that, right? Sure. When really for, for maximum effectiveness, we should be bridging all of these divisions and we should be bringing in the core elements and incorporating them into our, our day-to-day and especially you know, into our week-to-week and month-to-month because it's the it's the bridge, it's the connection, and the key elements across all three um, that that really form a change that pays off. Mm-hmm. And so, what I, the way that I look at change leadership is driving holistically, but it's it's essentially elevating the key elements from those three silos, and it almost sits across the top of them, right? If you if you imagine them as columns, yeah, uh, you know, project management benefits and 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 stakeholders. You could almost draw change leadership as a banner over the top. And so when I think about change leadership, and I'll, I'll give you a really, really quick overview in terms of the way that I see it. And I tend to see it in terms of change happens in ripples. Okay. And I think it'd be really beneficial for all of us to think in terms of ripples. Now, to give you a sense, and it, the reason why I say that change happens in ripples is because most human dynamics happen in ripples. Oh, I'll give you an example. I live uh, in a on the rural outskirts of Canberra, Australia. And 
to give you a sense of, you know, rural, uh, my letterbox is a kilometer from my house. Uh, right. So I've got, I've got to drive down just to check the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, there's a small town um, that I go to for groceries and, and, you know, most of my packages and those kinds of things. And it's not, it's not a, you know, hick style town. It's very much a, a quaint country style town. It's beautiful. Really, really nice. Um, that said though, I was at the supermarket over the weekend um grocery store over the over the weekend and I had my family with me and we were doing our weekly shop and turns out our fridge was particularly empty coming into this one so we filled up two trolleys worth uh and we we went through did our whole shop and we pulled up to the the front of the store to to go through the checkout and every single checkout lane were closed except for the express lane they only had the express lane open. And so I turn up with two trolleys going, look, they're all closed. Um, and she gives me a begrudging look. And then she starts scanning through, you know, the whole 15 <laughs> items or less, right? And yes. I'm there with probably 400 items. Um, sure. And we, we get through it, right? It's a whole rigmarole. But, but she refuses to talk to me, refuses to look at me, refuses to do anything. She's, she's begrudging. And it's not her fault that everything else was closed, Mm-hmm. Uh, nor is it her fault that I turned up with two trolleys, um, mm-hmm. but it's not my fault that I that everything else was closed, nor that I turned up with two trolleys as well. Um, we were just in this situation together. Yeah. But what it did is that there was a ripple effect at play there. She was not interested in. Um, she was not really interested in giving that good, you know, positive customer experience or what, and that rippled through to me. And and for about half an hour afterwards, I felt her stress. Mm. I brought yeah. that stress home with me and it took me about half an hour to, to, to shake that off, sure. that contempt, that stress. Um, and now it's very plausible that was a decision made, not by her, by, by whoever's managing the store. I will just have Express open in the morning, mm-hmm. right? It was that decision made, which rippled through to her, which rippled through to me. And that's the human ripple element. But what's scary is that I've seen that exact same ripple in a hundred million dollar program right so when i talk about ripples there's three key ripples i tend to see um i tend to look at the first is what i call your change core and your change core is all about answering three valuable questions why are we doing this how will we prove the why how will we prove success and finally what exactly are we doing Mm mm-hmm and answering them in that order, uh, something we're all very guilty of, especially as project managers, is we say, uh, we start with the what? Always, what are we doing? Always. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You know, what, what, what are we doing? All right, now, who do we need? And how long is it going to take? And all of those <laughs> elements, right? Yeah. Um, but we should be taking a step back and really clarifying why are we doing this? How will we prove success? And then transferring that through to the what. Uh, and, and when you get that really clear up front, uh, you end up delivering leaner projects. You end up cutting out scope before you even get anywhere near it. Um, and, and on top of that, you're, it's easier to pivot. It's easier to manage your exceptions. It's easier to do a whole bunch of these things because you know how it fits. Mm-hmm. You know what you're striving towards. In fact, even when it comes to killing a project, 
um, the conversation, when, when you're clear on those three elements, um, you only talk about killing a project if the why has changed, if you're no longer going to meet the why. Uh, if the proof is off track, you know, your benefits or, or your early indicators, your metrics, if they're off track, then you don't talk about killing the project. You talk about how do we pivot? What do we need right. to change? Yeah. If your what is off track, you know, your, your timing or your cost or your people, then that's your, your again, it's what do we need to change? How do we ramp this up? How do we accelerate? How do we crash? How do we do these things? But it's not killing it. The killing conversation only comes in if the why has changed. And so it gives you that, as a project manager, it gives you that greater tool set Mm-hmm. spending that little bit of time up front and then continually asking throughout um, those three questions Absolutely. because they're not an up that they're not an upfront they're not just an upfront uh, and I've ne- I've very 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 rarely seen this done in terms of once you start getting into delivery how many times do you go back and ask are we is that why still valid mm-hmm. does this project still make sense uh, and what are our early indicators saying like, uh, are we actually going to achieve this? Why? I never see that. It's like we do a little bit of upfront work. We go, all right, this makes sense. Let's go off and deliver. And then once you're in delivery, it's like, okay, let's just monitor all of these delivery metrics. When there's a couple of questions, you probably should be asking too. Uh, and that you ask those questions throughout. And that's how you make sure that you're continually attached to driving that value. So look, that's, that's your change call. Yeah. There's a couple other ripples. The next ripple out is what I call inside your team. Um, and it's one of the areas that is almost wholly ignored. I mean, we talked about those three division, you know, I guess, isolated parts of the industry, project management and, and benefits and stakeholders. Uh, and it's interesting because stakeholders looks outside your project. Uh, benefits looks at the raw numbers and, and project management is what we all know what project management is. It's all about delivering it really effectively. Mm-hmm. But no one talks about, how do we maintain momentum within our teams? No one talks about how do we utilize and maximize and lead our own teams to make sure that we're actually benefiting the most from their learnings and their innovation and their energy. And how do we drive better greatness within our own teams? But that's a crucial element. And so that second ripple is inside our change. And so we're looking at number one, the delivery platform and what's, it's almost the, that 20-80 approach. What's the 20% that will give us the 80% in mm-hmm. terms of effectiveness there? How simple can we actually get things? Um, and then the second element there is how do we drive and maintain team momentum? Sure. And so when I say momentum, it's measured in terms of hope and energy. Momentum mm-hmm. is essentially the collision between the two. When you've, got, when you've got high hope and high energy, you've got a team that's kicking ass. Um, and when you've got low hope and low energy, you've got a team that wants to leave. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's the collision between the two and there's a few levels. Um, and I go through them all in my book, but, um, it's really about getting that momentum rolling and getting that intensity sustainably happening, happening. So that's, that's inside the change. And that's that second ripple. Now you're not going to get that second ripple. If the core is weak, Sure. core is weak then that will flow through and, and you're, it's going to be harder, a harder battle to achieve that second ripple. Then we have the third ripple area. And this one is outside of your change. And that is all about influence and connection. So it's how can we rally our stakeholders around this? How do we find the right people to talk to? 
Uh, how do we find, uh, I, there's a group of people in your organization uh, that I term internal influencers, and there's a data-based mm-hmm. way to find them, right? Um, right. Which uh, I go through in my book because I, I don't want to delve into any one thing too deep here, but essentially you can ask a couple of questions, run a quick survey, and they will nominate themselves for you. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. But it's like, how do we maximize our effectiveness in that third ripple? How do we achieve that level of influence and connection and how do we connect them together to um to really build that community around our change and therefore minimize the amount of um the amount of delay i guess minimize the amount of resistance that we're looking at there Um, there's another element that plays into that third ripple really really clearly Um, and that's something i call the value equation the value equation is reward minus pain equals decision. And the, really what I'm saying in there is how do we actually stack this for people that they're going to want to do it Yeah. rather than just forcing it? How sure. do we stack this? How do we stack the rewards? And I'm not just talking monetary, but how do we stack the rewards and how do we minimize the pain to help people want to do it? And so that's the three ripples. And I mentioned earlier around, I've seen this fall over, uh, you know, in a hundred million dollar program, there was a large government agency running a, it was going to be probably at full, if it got to full size, it would have been almost a billion dollar program. Massive. It stood up. Um, its first year was, yeah, tens of millions close you know, airing towards a hundred million in terms of spending its first year. And it was going to be setting up an IT backbone for the, every government agency um, and rolling them out. So huge, huge scope. But here's what happened. About nine months down the line, they had churned through five executives. Um, the hmm. core was so weak. They, didn't, they, they weren't able to define why they were doing things. They weren't able to define what success looked like and they weren't able to therefore define what they were actually trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so the core was really, really shaky. What that meant was that although they had hired really good, really strong, effective people to work on that program, um, the disillusionment and the cynicism was through the roof. And so people started leaving because they didn't understand why they couldn't yeah. achieve the, the runs because that core, that broken core was rippling through. And, yeah. and ultimately then that cynicism started to ripple through into the broader stakeholder groups. And so something of this size, you've got lots of intergovernmental working groups, right? And you've got all these execs from all across the place. Um, and the cynicism started to flow through into those working groups. And so these, these broader stakeholder groups, the ones impacted by the change, started to pull out, started mm-hmm. to see the cracks, right? And so they started to very very quickly withdraw themselves um, and stop turning up and just basically mark it as a loss and move on. That is the ripple effect in absolute clarity. Weak, weak core led to a team that was cynical, lost hope and wanted to leave, and many of them did which flowed through into a stakeholders that refused to then buy in because they caught it because they could see the cracks in the team who could see the cracks in the core. Um, the opposite of that is true as well. 
you get that core right, it gives the team heaps to rally around, which then enables them to essentially be passive marketers for you as, as you're rolling out the change. So that's how I think about change leadership. And it's such a brilliant and illustrative way of trying to remember all of the ripples in the impact of a change. And I, as you're speaking through this example, and thank you for going through that, because again, as I mentioned up front, Brendan, I think is the king of how to break things down and make it very palatable for anybody. And I think you did that in such a way that I will remember. And I was actually thinking through a way I can visualize this with a future class I might be teaching on organizational leadership where we can talk about the ripples and and the change. But I think there's one thing that really stood out is there's synergy between your two books, I believe, when you're speaking Mm. about the core, because it's also said to be true in your, your book about creating high value PMOs is that if you don't know essentially what who you are as a PMO, why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, it's hard to speak about, oh, well, we need to change this and that, or we need to get this task off our, out of our scope because it doesn't fit within our scope. If you don't know the core, you don't have the solid core for your team, then I think there's some synergy in, in what you're speaking to there. But then when we talk about valuable change, absolutely. And I try to do this exercise for something I'm working on um, at my organization. And I try to do the steps that Brendan was saying about know your why. The why is so important because I immediately jumped to what, of course, I went straight to what and started to doubt myself about what I want to do, but then went back to why. And this exercise, while so critical, is also I don't want to downplay how challenging it might be depending on what you're thinking about creating change around. And he gives such great examples about how, oh, well, a team can just say, well, we, we don't want to own this or we want to fix this because it's, it's just too many steps. And then you, you get, go through the exercise in your head of, okay, well, that's not the core, right? That's not really speaking to the why. How do we elaborate on the why? And he has mm-hmm. a much more details on how you can get there. And I'll tell you, it was such a good exercise for me to walk through your examples and start to try to drill down on the why of what I'm trying to change and just make sure that it holds solid so that when we try to replicate and then, like you said, influence across the organization that that all still continues to stand true. I, it just seems like such a, in many ways, when I'm reading this, it seems like such a simple thing, Mm -hmm. but it's, I also don't want to downplay that it's not, but I love that you break it down in a way that anybody and so I do agree with you in the, in the sense that you're saying everyday change, right? It's an everyday change leaders is that everybody can get your head around what Brendan is saying in the ripple effect and, and all of the steps you have to take to be very, very cautious about what you're planning to change before you start to implement it. Because believe me, I've seen many great changes that are just sitting on the bookshelf, and I, I come in and to organizations and I think, well, that was such a great idea. Why aren't we doing this today? And it's because the ripple didn't go as far as Brendan is saying, right? It's kind of stopped in the first part and then it was broken from then on and just never caught on. And that's the unfortunate thing that I've seen is that there's so much great change and ideas that ended up just getting bookshelved because it it, it just didn't have that solid core. So that was great. I, I love that in terms of a, a great way to think about it. Very simple for some people to pick up. And it doesn't even have to be organizational or 
it can even be in your personal life thinking about change, right? Um, so Brendan, what happens? I guess you talked about if it goes wrong because your core is not solid, but what can we do, I guess, to make sure that the core continues to be solid? Maybe we're not necessarily the change leader in the organization, but we want to be a part of it. You talked mm. about influencers, but there's other, is there anything else that project managers can do to just ensure that we are adding to the likelihood of, of success of the change? Yeah. Yeah. So my biggest, my biggest thought in there is I don't really care where you are in your change. If you're a project manager, you're a project officer, you're, you're leading it, you're an executive. I don't care. I don't care what your role title is. If no one is connecting that core, then perhaps you should is, is my advice there is it's not a it's not a complex exercise you mentioned that it's it's simple right and that's very much how I think is terms of how can we pull the core elements of this together it needs to be logical it needs to be simple and so it's a really really simple exercise to draw three columns uh, on a piece of paper or a whiteboard mm-hmm. and start putting what you know out on that and if you can do it with a team bring the people in and if you really can do it with the executive let's say you're handed a brand new project uh an exec go you know and when i say handed i mean an exec calls you in and says oh i want you to go do this yeah um right and so that's that's immediately the executive starting with the what my first response and my recommendation for all of you would be very very quickly after that organize a a session with that executive to build out this core with them draw the three columns on a whiteboard Um, and the three columns are why proof and what and map it out and so they'll uh, you'll say you know why are we doing this and they'll say oh because we can we need a new database okay you draw the database as a little picture on the what column and then you Mm -hmm. ask it again why are we doing this and you'll and after two or three whys you'll start to get there and you'll, you'll either keep asking why, or you'll ask, so what? And you use mm-hmm. one of those two and you'll start to build the picture. And what you may find as you start to get to the root of the why, you then ask, okay, well, how do we actually prove success against that why? And that's one of the hardest elements for most people to, yeah. to define, but that's, there's a reason why that's the middle column is you need to make sure that you're able to prove that you achieved what you what you're planning to achieve because it means when you get to the end you will be able to prove that you achieved what you plan to achieve right yeah um and so once you're filling out those proofs you can then ask yourself what do i need to do to achieve that proof and that gives you the what column and when you ask it in that order you you will find that things don't fit what you originally thought, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. You're going to go, actually, I don't need to do Z. I can mm. just do X and Y to achieve that. Sure. And what you'll also find is that, hang on, we've got an entire line of proofs here that we're doing nothing about. Yeah. We're doing nothing about, you know, ABC. And so, okay, well, we need to go do DEF to achieve proof A, right? So, I mean, a really quick example of this is like, okay, we, we um, let's use the database one um then you know uh, it's taking too long we're doing things manually uh staff are really getting annoyed um that that's kind of the context we can build a loose wire around that um 
and build something, you know, kind of emotion driven and forward thinking. And you go, okay, well, perhaps the proofs coming out of that is efficiency based and staff satisfaction based. And the efficiency based, doing what we plan to do is probably going to achieve the efficiencies and build a database, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then you look and you go, then you realize that, hang on, we're doing nothing in terms of staff satisfaction. We're doing nothing in terms of increasing that. And there's going to be entire elements of the project that you potentially would have missed. It wouldn't have caught till three quarters down the line or even got to the end and realized, oh, well, we didn't quite achieve that, right? Mm-hmm. I'll chalk it up as a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the immense power of getting it right up front. And then the second half of that is translating that in to the conversation moving forward. And I would heavily, heavily recommend that if you have the ability to add it to your project reporting, sure, uh, even if it's a supplementary appendix, um, because you know, you're, you've been handed the reporting by someone else, um, have essentially the three valuable questions or the translations of as part of your ongoing monitoring and reviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why are we doing this becomes, is the why still valid? And what you want to do is when you're working through that why, ask yourself, what are the elements in the context that need to stay the same for this why to be valid? And then as you're delivering through, you can just say, has the context changed? Yes or yeah. no? Yeah. All right. And you go, no, context hasn't changed. It's still tick, 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 tick. These three things are still in place. Cool. The why is still valid. Let's keep rolling forward. Um, and that gives you really, really an early indication of if the project's not going to achieve its value is if the context starts to shift. Sure. Uh, and the second element is, um, are we expecting to hit our metrics? Essentially, what are our early indicators hitting us, uh, showing us and telling us at the moment? And again, that's giving us early indication of whether or not we're actually going to achieve what we're looking to achieve. And so the conversation in your project review meetings shouldn't just be how are we tracking on cost and time and what are the key risks and issues? Those are important elements of conversation, absolutely. But there's a couple more elements you should be doing first. Just a quick check-in. And I'm talking really quick check-in. Is, has the, context, is the context of the change? Is the why still valid? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are our early indicators showing us? And that's what I mean around pulling up from project management mm-hmm. and starting to drive holistically because some of those elements are pulling from this idea of benefits management, which is another entire world almost in terms of you can get deep, really, really deep in there. But sure. really it's just about how are you going to prove that you did, that you achieved the why. And it's not proof that you achieved the project, that you deliver the project. It's proof that the project was valuable. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's asking those questions and embedding them moving forward. Um, that's one of the, that would be one of my key recommendations to you on any project that you're on. If you feel like that core is weak, take the initiative um, and start to build it out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's not and, a long exercise. You can do it in half an hour. And I'm trying to find, there's a line and I'm totally going to botch it. So I'm hoping you remember what you wrote <laughs> in your own book. But I think I would want to end it with um, this conversation with timing. Because I don't, I'm not the, a change on, you know, leader like you are, Brendan, but I think uh, 
Uh, That's nonsense. You, you are absolutely <laughs> a change leader, Anne. Absolutely. What I'm, to, what I'm trying to say is, you know, change can happen tomorrow, but I think there's a line in your book where you say some of the change that we put into play, the ripple effect back, that value, you don't see it for quite some mm. time. And I don't want to botch the way you say it in your book, but that line stood out to me too, because sometimes we we start something and then leadership immediately loses side of it or, or interest in it because they didn't see the change yesterday. Right. So it's, yep. it's, you, you present some good ways of PM being kind of the, the, the group that continues to make sure that the change has value and has meaning and continues to be mm. spoken about. And if it's embedded in our reporting, that's a great way to continue to have a visual on it or, or just continue to speak to it when you have meetings with the executives, but not losing sight of that change is also really important. I think you you give us a realistic picture of sometimes this change is not going to pay off for a few mm -hmm. years. And it's just something that we just need to keep reminding people, this is, this is what we're working towards. It's not tomorrow, but it will happen. And coming back to the core to make sure that the why is still intact too. It, 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 again, not botching your words, can't find the line, but there is, there is some realistic uh, positioning that you put us in, in terms of, some of these things is just going to take some time and we just need to continue to be the influencers across the organization to remind everybody of that. That's exactly it. And I mean, I don't remember the line either, but I, <laughs> I know that I know exactly, um, exactly, you know, the, the essence there. And, and that's, it's really almost a shift in thinking a little bit in terms mm -hmm. of so often we think about the end of a project as we're done, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, hand that off. We're, we're we're out of here. Let's move on to something more fun. Um, that because we, we get tired. Project is project management and running change and all of this. It's hard and it is tiring and uh, it is fun and exciting. <laughs> it is all of those wonderful, wonderful things. That's why I you know I live and breathe it, and that's why most of your listeners would live and breathe it too. I would imagine it's it's a great, great career. Um, but perhaps we need to be thinking a little bit differently and building it into our plans upfront is that stop closing projects as soon as you deliver. Yeah. Um, right. Sure. Roll off and, and do what you need to do, but think about the project, not in terms of the what, but think about the project in terms of the why. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the project in terms of the why, you start to think a little bit broader, a little bit bigger, and you start to think about, the fuller picture. Um, sure. And so it's, it's not just after you deliver, it's not just after you've rolled out the training and you've done your post implementation review and, and whatnot. It's not just there. It's thinking through, okay, well, what is the full, not so much life cycle, but it's what is the full picture here? Mm -hmm. uh, and if we're, if we're focused on the why rather than the what and incorporating that into our planning, I think that goes a long, long way. You may still turn the team off. Uh, you may still do a bunch of things, but um, you're thinking holistically. And I think that's the key takeaway here is pull yourself out. I mean, know how to deliver projects, know how to deliver them well, and and really think about things in terms of what's that 20% that gives me that 80%. I've got a few ideas in my book in terms of ways you can really start to hone in on that. But ultimately, um, pull yourself up a level. This whole idea of project management is all about the what and it's not about the people and it's not about the metrics and it's not about all these things. That's just someone's view. 
It yeah. doesn't have to be yours. And if you really want to be successful uh, in what you're doing, I've found is that you will need to take that step back and position and manage to the why, not the what. And when you position and manage to the why, um, it is more effective. The change is more valuable, but ultimately you're also going to get greater buy-in up the line because the why is what they're after. They don't care if it's a new database. They don't care what APIs you're building. They don't care what you're actually doing. They may say that they might make a recommendation it might come down the line. I want you to build me a new database, but they don't care. Yeah. They don't care where you host it, if it's cloud or whatever. They, what they care about is, is it hitting their outcomes? Are they mm-hmm. going to get their why from it? And so when you plan and manage to the why, that is when you start to be able to communicate more effectively, both yeah. up the line, but it's also when you start to see the greatest value because you're thinking about the change in its, in its entirety. Absolutely. And you've got confidence there. I'll tell you how much it really does boost your confidence when your core and your why is solid. Mm. Everyone, I implore everyone, try this. Even if it's just a simple change you're thinking about doing around your house, try this exercise and just feel the difference it has in you as being the change leader and the confidence you will have to drive that change across, whether it's at home or in your organization. So Brendan, this, as always, is never enough time to pick your brain about these things. (laughs) I just love speaking with you, and I hope the audience enjoys this conversation on change leadership. I really do appreciate your time and and always the support of our the Everyday PM podcast and, and our listeners. And so that will do it for you and I in this installment of the Everyday PM. Brendan, if folks want to continue the conversation, and before you plug your channels and everything... I'm going to plug something for you because yours is probably, no, it is the only newsletter that I read from start to finish. And so for those of you who are on LinkedIn and have an opportunity to subscribe to Brendan's newsletter, which you can plug it, but I'm just going to say this again is my personal review. He, again, I just love the way you break things down. And so please subscribe to that newsletter. There's so much good information, food for thought. It always has me thinking about change. Uh, I think it's going to be worth your time to, to read through. And one of the better ones that I receive, um, I think you put them out on a weekly basis, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, on a weekly basis. So make sure you guys go and do that. But Brendan, if folks want to continue the conversation with you, where can they find you online? Well, thank you so much. Um, that's very, very kind. And it's something that, I, that I'm really uh, that I really work hard at is um, a metric of mine when I think about the newsletter is, um, you know, basically I've, I've been running it for about six months now mm-hmm. and the subscribership has grown ex- on an exponential basis, which is lovely. Um, but I'm also not seeing very, I'm not seeing unsubscribers. Um, and that <laughs> to me tells me that when I'm, I'm offering value. So, so thank yes. you. That's, that's wonderful. So for, for listeners, uh, it is the change leader weekly. Uh I publish it through a couple of means. You can subscribe directly via my website um, or you can subscribe through LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a bit funny in terms of um, sometimes it'll offer it to you and otherwise you have to go find it. So if you find me on LinkedIn, it's there on my profile. You can subscribe, you can subscribe there or you can go to valuablechange.com and you'll get, it'll be, you'll be able to find it there. It's very, very easy. So either way, you'll start to hear from me on a weekly basis. So the change leader weekly um, is my newsletter. Um, otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. 
Uh, Valuablechange.com is where I'm at. Uh, my books are in as many formats as I could put them, ebook and paperback and, uh, and audio book. It's, it's all there. Um, so however you want to buy them, uh, you will be able to find them. It's creating high value PMOs and valuable change. A lot of what we talked about today is, is invaluable change. Um, and it builds on and gives you a lot of really cool techniques in there. Well, I think they're cool, but then again, I'm biased. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and finally, um, I honestly, I say, I often say this, and I think people don't truly take it to heart, but I'm really just an email away. If you have a thought, if there's something you, you heard today that you go, oh, I kind of want a little bit of clarification or I wonder what Brennan thinks about this. I really am just an email away. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have international clients. I get up at all hours of the day. Um, But the the truth is I really am just an email away. So flick me an email. You'll find all that on my website um, and, you know, feel free to reach out. And thank you for being so connected to us. I have personally reached out to Brennan with some of these things and he has responded in his time zone right away though. Um, So yes, I absolutely implore you if you've got a time and and a question or something that you want to chat with him about, please reach out to him. And I cannot say enough good things about both of his books um, in terms of Brendan. One day I was, I I read through one twice, but I'm reading through the other one now. Um, I wanted to message you and just say that you're kind of giving away the secrets of the trade here with some of these (laughs) books. So really people, if you're going through any of this at your organization, I highly recommend just reading through it. There's just so many good tidbits and things that you can pick up and implement for yourself. So um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn. You can find the Everyday PM at theeverydaypm.com. You can support this podcast. It's on every podcasting platform from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. Search for the Everyday PM. We'll be there. Uh, you can watch the video version of this on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ancampia. You can click the bell for notifications on when new content goes up, including this episode and hopefully many more with Brendan, um, as well as subscribe and leave us a great comment. Uh, all right, Brendan, I know you're starting your day. I'm kind of midday here in, in my time zone, but thank you again for your time today. And we appreciate this conversation on change leadership. That will do it for both of us. And until next time, take care. 